Um, hi, everybody. This is Jerry Zelaya, Chief Strategist at Tricio, and today I'm speaking with John Cavley, our Chief Economist. Hi, John. Hi, Jerry. How's it going? Good. This is going to be a currency podcast. Now, John thought we were going to just talk about rates, but I said, no, it's a currency podcast. We'll do both, rates and currencies. Is that okay with you, John? That's fine. Rates lead into currencies, I guess. See, you're such an economist. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. <laughs> True. True. Now, there's just one thing I wanted you to do. You ready for this? I'm ready. Pat yourself on the back. And the reason <laughs> I'm saying that is I've, I found our June 2022 currency forecast, you know, the numbers we put out. And last year for the euro dollar, we were looking for it to be at 1.09 in 12 months time. And as you know, that's more or less where we are today. Yeah, that's it's not bad. Good. In cable, yeah. we're looking for 123, which isn't too bad. And the rest is just horrible. So I'm not going to mention them. But give yourself <laughs> a big... <laughs> a pat in the back. Well, we got it's, your it's go a joint effort. So well done, well done. Joint effort. There you go. Dollar yen, we were off because we were looking for a move to 145, and then we were looking for it to come back. So we've kind of seen that, but but but, you know, we had a 130 forecast a year ago. We're at you know 140 ish now, so not really that good. But at least we're kind of in the right direction, up and down, right? It's now, up. yeah. The key thing is when the Bank of Japan meets overnight, so we, we have no idea what they're going to do. I, I guess the general consensus is that they're not going to do anything, right? But we had the cabinet uh, minister come out today and say, look, you know, we're worried about excessive, excess volatility in dollar yen or in the yen, not dollar yen, in the yen. So in that sense, you know, the yen's in play and the Bank of Japan knows what they need to do, right? Remove stimulus or, or even talk about removing stimulus to give the yen a helping hand. What are the odds of them doing that this year? I still think it's unlikely that they will do it this year. Um, although what inflation if Darien has been back to 150? Well, yeah, but I mean, it, the, the trouble is that, I mean, actually a weak yen helps them in their, their push to get inflation higher. You know, although it looks like inflation has been relatively high this year, a lot of that is um, transitory items and, and it's going to come down. Right. They still haven't really got wage growth high enough to sustain 2% inflation. So I don't think they're in any hurry to... Uh, uh, you know, to change the stimulus level. Now, yeah, there must be some level of the yen where they would react. Uh, well, last year they difficult. reacted when when dollar yen got to 150, didn't they? They started intervening a little bit before there. They intervened above there and they managed to basically smash dollar yen. But now yeah. we have euro yen. Euro, euro yen is is breaking above 150, and euro yen is looking like it's going to go to 170. That's the next level. So basically, the stronger euro is it's quote unquote good, right? In many ways, for different you know, parts of the market. But it's dragging Eurian through some big levels. And this is what I would call the tail wagging the dog, right? The cross rate is going to be dragging the spot rate higher. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, can the Bank of Japan tolerate that? Or, you know, are, are they well, just going to protest one-way trades? As I say, I don't think it worries them particularly to have a weak yen when they've got no inflation. Um, so... Yes, they, they, I mean, that may worry the government. They may feel they need to do something to, so that America doesn't uh, chase after them. But then again, the U.S. is mainly focused on China these days in trade terms. Yeah, it, so as long as Japan, Japan talks stuff on China, they don't really care about the yen, do they? Right. I mean, that, I mean, at the moment, of course, the renminbi is looking fairly weak because the Chinese economy is so weak. So that may be, uh, may be more of an issue, I suspect, in the next few months. Yeah, but I mean... The PBOC can point to the fact that, you know, they, they, they have a basket currency in terms of it's weighted to, you know, the, the, the daily spot level moves with the moves in the euro or the moves in the Aussie, Kiwi, yen and, and dollar, right? It, it's one of those things where they can point to the fact that 
they don't actually purposely weaken the currency. They just cut rates, right? Yeah, they cut rate. I mean, obviously they've got huge reserves, so you know, they can defend the currency to a degree. But whether they'll be able to uh, keep stimulating the economy and keep cutting rates at the same time as the US is raising rates uh, without losing a lot of reserves may, may become an issue, I suspect, in the next few months. You're basically making it sound, I don't think you actually mean to do this, but I think you're making it sound like the euro is going to have a problem because if dollar yen is tolerated upwards the us doesn't care japan doesn't care and if the euro is the one that's kicking euro yen higher and if the euro dollar is the one that's moving higher right we're above 109 and you and i think it might go to 112 or 120 then at some stage people are going to, have to say actually it's not a dollar problem because the dollar is okay it's no longer as firm as it used to be against the euro or against sterling or some other currencies but the euro is going to start getting itself into trouble. I mean, I think the old adage was, what, a 4% rise in the currency was like a 25 basis point rate hike or something. And mm -hmm. yeah. the euro is really moving against trading partners, Japan, China, and the dollar. So maybe that's the end game this time around. The ECB is talking tough on inflation and rate hikes, but maybe the euro is going to smack them around a bit and they're going to have to say, hang on a minute, you know, we can't really move rates aggressively higher in 2024. Yeah, I, I mean, I suspect that the ECB will finish its tightening this year. It's, it's, it's got further to go, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, they left the door open, that's right, yeah. Yeah, so I think that they will raise rates further. Inflation is going to come down in Europe over time. It's running behind the US, but it is it will come down. But I think they won't mind too much to see a strong euro as part of that process. So okay. I, I, I think that's comfortable for them. For basically people listening to the podcast, the, the, I think the scenario we're laying out is something we haven't seen in the Eurozone in some time, which is a strong euro lasting for more than you know a year, maybe, maybe into 2024. And if that's the case, I think exporters are going to start scratching their heads and going, this is not really helpful. And that would maybe take some of the steam out of some of the European stocks. But lots of little dominoes have to fall in the right way for that to happen. Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, there will be, be a point where people decide and, and the ECB decides that it's raised rates enough and, and you could see um, some reaction at that point. But yeah, you're right. It's uh, it's going to be part of the story, I think, a relatively strong euro. Now, the currency we never talk about, but we did talk about it last week, was the Swissy. And it's one of those things where you feel sorry for the, well, as, as much as you can, you feel sorry for the Swiss National Bank who is basically falling victim to the strong euro as well, because a strong euro should be lifting euros for higher. But at the moment, it seems like there's a cap on it. It can't get back above parity. And if it can't get back above parity, then the dynamics of currencies means that dollar Swiss is under a lot of pressure, right? Because if euro Swiss can't go back up to 120, and remember we were there, I think in 2018, right? We'd actually recovered the lost ground from the S&B leaving the floor. Remember the 120 floor, they abandoned it and collapsed. Then it came back. We've actually right. gone so far backwards that we're used to the idea of Eurosus being below parity. It didn't used to be this way, right? So right. if the strong euro, which quote unquote should lift Eurosus back up above parity towards our 110 favorite area, that, that's what we've been looking for. But if that can't happen, then dollar Swiss is at risk of breaking substantially below, let's say 88, 87, 60, and then going back down towards the low 80s, maybe the mid 70s. And that's going to be a nightmare for the S&P. No, you're right. I mean, there's not much they can do about it, though, is there? And, uh, well, they keep, you know, they keep intervening. They keep, I mean, we all forget about it, but they keep buying a lot of different assets, don't they? True, true. But there's, I mean, but there's a limit to the effectiveness of that when you have you know, very strong interest rate trends and very strong currency trends. 
Yeah, it's amazing because the Swissy should be a carry currency. You know, I mean, they're raising rates, but they're still quite low compared to the Kiwi, compared to the Aussie, compared to the dollar. So in some ways, you should be using the Swissy as a carry currency, but I think people are scared to. I mean, you've got the yen, might as well just use that, right? It's negative right. rates effectively. But yeah, it, it's the dynamics of the FX market are getting really distorted, which I think is going to create opportunities in terms of currencies doing things that they're doing. As you said, rates drive currencies. So yeah, next week, John, we got the S&B. We'll ignore them. We're going to assume they're going to raise rates and do their best to say, guys, we're, we're going to match the euro and let's hope that euro Swiss gets back above parity and moves towards some level so the dollar doesn't get crushed. But let's assume that's what they're going to try to do. What's the Bank of England going to do? Well, I think pretty sure they'll raise rates. 25, um, 50? Probably 25, but talk about more, I suspect. So, I mean, the issue in the UK is is the economy is, is sluggish uh, and could well get weaker. But there's a serious problem with wage growth and inflation. And uh, people are beginning to think that the UK may have a particular problem with it more than the US and perhaps more than Europe. In other words, they may be less flexible on the way down. Uh, but the problem and- with wage growth, John, wage growth is happening in areas where they can't fire people. NHS, doctors, civil servants, rail workers, security staff at Heathrow. These are all the guys who are making headlines by being on strike. So no matter what the Bank of England does, these guys can't be fired. No, well, that, that's true. But I mean, actually, one of the reasons they're on strike is that their wage growth has been slower than the private sector wage growth. Uh, this year, but also over the last couple of years. They've actually lost out a bit in the last three years. I think that's one of the reasons why we're seeing so many public sector strikes. To the extent that uh, you can bear down on the economy, you will impact on the private sector wage growth, uh, which which has been stronger. It's been behind the inflation rate, of course. People are losing out. But it's very important if if you're going to get inflation down that you get that wage growth down over time. So that's that's why I think uh, that they've been surprised, obviously, at the strength of the economy. I mean, that's a story in other countries as well. But it's just certainly true for the UK, where the Bank of England was emphatic last year that there was going to be a recession, and that the data's yes. not really showing that. Uh, no. it's very very near <laughs> recession. And it may still get revised back to being a recession, but but uh, they were pretty emphatic middle of last year there would be a recession. So far, they seem to be just about avoiding it. With unemployment so low, of course, that's you know that's difficult to manage, which is why what they really want is for unemployment to rise, because then that would uh, slow down wage growth. I, I think we both conclude that the UK is in a bit of a pickle, and higher rates are definitely at risk, and we could see 5%, maybe even 5.25 or 5.5 in the base rate, yeah? We're still not looking yep. towards 10%. We're, we're not looking no, at no. double digits. And given that this is a currency po- podcast, I, that ties in with our cable view because we've been beating the drums for the last six months that cable is going to get back to around 140. Mm-hmm. I think once we see 130, 132 give way, you'll see more and more people rotate towards the top of the range, uh, which is around 142, right. 144, right? It's one of those things where you may get the miraculous UK recovery story and see 150 or higher, but I, I just don't, personally, I don't see that in the charts. I see it more as a range trade for the most part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So anything else we need to talk about in the podcast? The yen's weak, and you're saying it could get weaker or could remain weak. The euro is strong. We both agree it could remain strong. Swissy, they've got a problem. And sterling is uh, gaining ground. We're a little bit worried about some of the underlying fundamentals, but overall we think higher rates will support the currency. What about Canada? 
because I think that's going to firm a little bit further mm -hmm. in terms of the Canadian dollar beating up on the U.S. dollar. Yeah, I could I could see that too. Yeah, because I mean, the Bank of Canada, were you surprised that they started raising rates again or was that just it had to happen? No, I wasn't surprised because um, one of the things we've seen here, which is also seen in the U.S., I guess, is is the housing market suddenly looking a bit a uh, bit friskier. Having had uh, nine months, 12 months of weakness, um, suddenly people are piling in and buying houses again this spring. So I think that was one of the factors. Well, thank you very much for your time on the podcast. And if anybody's interested in our, you know, our current CIO looks, send, you know, send us an email, info at twizio-advisors.com. And that's advisors with a no. And we will be doing more podcasts where we talk about different parts of the market. And I hope this was useful. Thank you, John. Yeah, thanks, Jerry.